folks, and welcome to another episode of In the Area Podcast. Kresh, your weekly source for wisdom nuggets. Pa-pow. Today, I sit down with Sarah Johnson. Sarah Johnson is the Senior VP at the Vail Valley Foundation, a nonprofit organization that seeks to enhance the quality of life in the Vail Valley through the arts, athletics, and education. Sarah attended Vanderbilt University and graduated with a degree in human and organizational development. The following year, she began her journey at DePaul University, where she attained her law degree. In the time since, she has founded a yoga studio, was an owner at a consulting firm, was general counsel and director of risk management for Augustana College, and worked as the director of HR and advancement at the Vail Mountain School. Sarah, as described in the Vail Daily, a local newspaper, has been a pioneering leader for young people in the arts throughout her life. And you will be hearing from her in just a moment. That Dopealicious song you just heard at the beginning of the podcast is a song called Trudy, produced by Tompkins and Billa Joints. This was a song on my 2020 summer rotation, and I am so fired up to be featuring on the podcast. And shout out Leland Nelson on the bass. Go give that song a listen on Spotify, And thank you to those of you listening who have subscribed to the channel. For those who have not, subscribing to the channel increases your REM cycle by an average of 20%, giving you that heightened motivation in the morning in the area podcast. Enjoy today's episode. Enjoy today's episode. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. How did you decide on the Vail Valley Foundation? So it was a great story. I had been working at Vail Mountain School, which I loved. You know, we moved to the mountains six, seven years ago. Just lifestyle change. Wanted to be here and and not Iowa. Love Iowa. But this is uh, a better fit for our family my kids are probably thrilled that I'm not working at their school anymore. Now that they're in middle and high school, um, they're fine with a little more distance from their mom. Uh, so, you know, the timing was was perfect. Um, the work is really rewarding. Um, you know, I think the Vail Valley Foundation, a lot of people know parts of it, but not all of it. So knowing, getting to learn all, all of the different facets of the work and the range of work makes work, wow. you know, pretty interesting every day. And what are some of the programs specifically when you're talking about most people aren't even familiar? Yeah. So some people might know the Birds of Prey ski race and they're like, oh yeah, the Vail Valley Foundation puts that on. Or they might know GoPro Mountain Games and say, yep, the Vail Valley, you know, puts that on. Uh, Another person might know about the Magic Bus, the mobile preschool, which goes into trailer parks and underserved neighborhoods all over the valley and offers free preschool. But maybe those... Groups of people don't know, you know, that the Vail Valley Foundation is over all of it. So education programs ranging from that early, early childhood with the Magic Bus program through all of the after school programming, summer programming enrichment program for primarily the public schools in Eagle County, um, soccer, career and college readiness. So it's really the gamut, cradle to career. I'm getting our area kids ready to be successful in their lives. So that's kind of the very, very quick version of education. Um, And then in the arts, we have two performing arts venues. So the Villar in Beaver Creek, which I've seen you there. (laughs) Love it. Absolutely. Um, And then the amphitheater, uh, Daryl R. Ford Amphitheater in Vail. Um, And then the Vail Dance Festival, as I uh, mentioned already. So that's really, 
you know, primarily the arts and then athletics, ski race, mountain games, lots of different things. So it's a pretty special place. And I'm curious, is your life unfolding out now in the way you imagined it when you were going to college, like when you were studying organizational development and law? Absolutely not, which I think is a great thing to share. Um, I went to law school, at, you know, for sure, wanted to be a prosecutor. So domestic violence, um, work in victim services all through undergrad when I was in Nashville. Um, so that's what I wanted to do. At criminal law, all the way, um, no doubts, very straightforward vision. Third year in law school, I worked in the gang crimes unit in Chicago. Uh, so Cook County State's Attorney's Office, like the place you want to be if you're going to do criminal work. Um, and it was amazing. And I'm glad I had that opportunity because it made me realize, um, you know what? This is not what I want to do. This mm. is, uh, you know, you're messing with people's liberty um, here. And, and super important. And I'm so glad that there are incredible prosecutors, incredible defenders. It's, you know, it's a system that needs quality people on both sides and, and on the judge's chair on the bench. Um, just realized it wasn't for me. Oh. And I'm glad I realized that then. And, and took, so I switched, you know, right even before my first kind of real job out of law school. And, and as some would say, sold out and went corporate to a wow. big corporate for, firm um, in Chicago. And great, unbelievable experience, you know, really grateful for those years at a huge firm, perhaps you can have it all and have your career and have your family. And I think that's true, but you do have to pick the career that works for the way that you want to have a family. Mm. Um, and for me, you know, being a lawyer, a litigator in a large firm where you're working around the clock and tons of travel totally works for some people. That's not how I wanted yeah. to be a mom. And, and was that a gradual realization or did it kind of happen suddenly? Gradual in the sense like you just weren't at that stage for yeah. a while, right? So you're going through as a young professional and as a young attorney thinking, yep, what's next, what's next, what's next? I want to um, excel. I want to, you know, go to that next level. Um, for me, I kind of ran my course in Chicago and said this is, <laughs> this is a great place to spend law school plus a couple of years practicing. And I moved to Denver, moved to a smaller firm in Denver, again, incredible experiences. Um, and then that was the place ultimately for my next move. Um, Tate, my now husband and I started, started dating and I'm like, well, yes, we could do this, um, long distance or, or what, what have you and, and make it work for a little while longer, but ultimately decided, you know what, I'm going to take a leap of faith on this guy and, wow. and moved, um, to be closer to him. And so you moved to Denver from well, you'll need a map. So I went from <laughs> Chicago, <laughs> less complicated than some, okay. but more than others. So yeah, Chicago to Denver, yep. loved Colorado, mm -hmm. but Tate was working in Iowa oh. with my family business, oh. um, with my brother. They were actually college roommates. Wow. Um, and my job was amazing, but not conducive to kind of try and try and have a relationship yeah, and totally. making it work. So moved back to Iowa and said, that's fine as long as I always get my Colorado fix. And we actually started coming to Vail wow. once a year. Um, and this became our place that was pretty special to us. Wow. And now you guys live here full time. Live here full time. Oh, that's amazing. Kept coming more and more and realized like there's actually schools here and, and families live here full time, which was, you know, not something you think about when you just come to vacation. Um, and, and actually met some great kids from Vail Mountain School. We're like, wow, 
if they can create kids like this, this is a, a pretty special school. So um, that was a big part of our decision in, in deciding to make that leap. Um, wow. We were happy. We were, you know, great. My mom was so ticked. We lived walking distance. The kids could walk to her house without crossing the street. So that was a hard conversation. Is this in, is this in, in Denver? Iowa? Oh, in Iowa. So you're in the small Denver firm. Yep. And then you decide to go corporate, as you describe it. And you join a, you said, is it a consulting firm? At that time, I went and worked for our family business. So it was a car dealership. Oh. And um, it was large, 17 franchises at that time. My brother was working there. Tate was working there. My dad was working there. We, our generation, would have been fourth-generation car dealers. Wow. Um, so it was, it was, you know, a lot of employees. So I went in as general counsel and on the HR side. So a lot of work with the franchises, you know, uh, contract work, corporate work, some yeah. real estate because we own, owned the land as well. Um, you know, so different from anything I had done um, and super interesting. Family business is super interesting. Yeah. I yeah. Can't. So we went through um, the succession planning process, which I think is is really important for any family business to think about succession planning. And, and what exactly is that process? So that's just to say, you know, what's going to happen? How's this going to hand off to the next generation? And for us, it was a real question because there were three of us, you know, if Tate and I, you know, got engaged, there was, you know, the two of us plus my brother and and my dad's really smart guy and said, I don't think you can run a committee, you know, run a company by committee. So how are we going to do this? And he brought in an outside firm that specializes in family business. And, and they started with us to say, what's your goal? You know, what's your family's goal with this process of handing off the dealership to the next generation? And collectively, unanimously, we said family harmony mm. is the goal. And so they went through about a six-month process, interviewed all the family members, interviewed, you know, key managers, folks at the dealership. And, and the recommendation to us in uh, 2006, probably, 2007, mm. uh, if that's your goal, you should sell the business. And we did. Whoa. <laughs> wow, that's insane. And I'm so glad, you know, so that and and sticking to it, saying, yeah, that really is the goal, not, you know, to make as much money as we can or not to do, you know, not to grow it more. Or, um, so we decided to sell. We ended up selling in uh, May of 2007, which is easy for me to remember because I was quite pregnant with my oh. second. Uh, so I remember it. I remember that time of life pretty well. Because I was helping, I you know certainly didn't do the whole transaction myself as an attorney, but liaison with the outside counsel, outside law firms that were were working through it. Um, very very pregnant, not always in the best attitude. Oh I can gosh, I, I can, can admit that. Yeah, now. Um, but it was great. It was great timing. You know, obviously um, financially, it was a good a good time to sell before. Uh, before things crashed. Oh my shortly gosh! After yeah, two thousand eight. <laughs> so we oh were we were fortunate. Um, and then we all, you know, like Tate um, and my brother and myself, were in the position to say, okay, what's next? Wow. You know, what do we do? What do we do now? And that's when I went to Augustana College and um, general counsel there, and really uh, dove in on the education side and just loved loved being around college students. That was, you know, such a critical time in life. I mean, I feel so bad for the college kids now who aren't yeah. getting that regular experience. Um, but that was a great job, and that was still in, in the, our hometown. 
My husband went and worked for Deere and Company, so really large. He was in the pension and treasury. He was always a finance mind. Um, so he had, you know, a couple years there, which was terrific. My brother uh, was, you know, unattached, kind of went, did the college or the uh, kind of country tour. Where do I want to live? What do I want to do? Yeah. Of all of us, he was the one that thought car dealership, that's, course that's what I'm going to do for my life you know didn't think anything else so we it threw him certainly for a loop to say all right what do I do um and everybody landed just fine uh he ended up in Charlotte for a while is now in Naples Florida um with a family so you know it all worked out for everybody that's amazing uh, yeah you kind of had to have faith in the process and and faith in each other that we were gonna put family first and we did um, and that was really, I would say, in, in our professional careers, just the huge changing point. Because we had a little bit of a luxury to say, what's what's next? You know, my our family, um, we stayed on for a while to ensure the transition went well with the new owners. Um, but then we had some time, and I had two really little kids to say, what do we do now? Wow. Um, it's pretty, pretty uh, fortunate to yeah. have it, the path like that. And then coming to Vail... Like you were saying, you saw the kids developing here really nicely. Yeah. And, you know, that's when I had a consulting firm. So I could kind of do what I did, which um, was working with small colleges that, you know, weren't big enough to have general counsel, but still needed some of that advice. Can you explain to me what general counsel is actually? Yeah. So it's kind of the lawyer for the company. So a company lawyer is called general counsel. If you're, um, Sometimes it's called in-house counsel, general counsel. I always say it's, you know, your general generalist for the company. So mm-hmm. when I was general counsel for the car dealership, you know, I would dabble in HR and contracts and real estate, not really a, you know, specialist in any of it and would often work with with the specialists at private firms to mm-hmm. say, hey, we need, we need to dig into this real estate transaction. I'm not a real estate attorney, mm-hmm. but I will be, you know, your contact within the company and then the outside firm provides the specialty expertise. Wow. Um, same at the college. So, you know, had an, you know, it's good that I think law school is a, a tremendous education, whether you use it traditionally in a law firm or not. Um, but for contracts, for negotiations, <laughs> for dealing with, with people, for conflict resolution, terrific, you know, terrific education. So in the college, it's kind of the same thing. Like you just, you know, you you see where the issues are. Sometimes it was a student issue. Um, sometimes it would be faculty tenure issue. Sometimes, you know, so there's there's usually issues. I mean, that's, you know, the sticky stuff that you bring your general counsel in for, your in-house counsel. Um, so a lot of problem solving, a lot of uh, figuring out what's the best solution for all for all involved. And that's the piece wow. that I really like is, is, hey, we're all here for the mission of the organization, whether it's a for-profit or or a nonprofit, and you want you want to do what you do well, yeah. Um, and you want the people that work there to be happy and to be able to to flourish and to be in environments that are, you know, at the very basic level, you know, safe yeah. from from various things, physically safe, safe from harassment, safe from all of, of those things, and then and then you build on that. Same thing in a in a school where I know you work. You know, if the kids are safe, then they can start to then, learn. Right. That's a baseline. Totally. Right. Same thing in a workplace. Mm. Can you remember as a, a, like a hardest problem that you needed to solve as a general counsel? Easy. <laughs> there were, yeah, real, real, um, we had a, a faculty issue once and, and um, I had to give the advice to say, hey, you know, this is, 
had to give advice to a department to say, you have to, you know, um, do a job search. Uh, this was a, an international faculty member. And in order for them to, to be supported on a green card, to be able for the school to say, yes, we want to support this person, you have to search and, and tell, you know, immigration folks that this person is the very best and there's no other U.S. citizen that could do the same job in the same way. Mm. But of course, this this faculty member had been a part of the department and, and ultimately, you know, can't go into too many details, but ultimately, you know, the, I had a really hard time with the department um, giving them advice to say, you have to do a national search when they really, really wanted just to stick with this person. And, and it was wow. touchy. It was that really touchy. a touchy situation. Yeah. Um, but I, get, I did my job. They did their job yeah. and that's all you can ask for mm. really is, you know, they were, I was advocating for, for the rules and the law and they were advocating um, for this person, for this person right. and for their department. And sometimes that doesn't always a lot. Complicated. Yeah. Yeah. It's not clear. <laughs> yeah. So it was just the hardest one because it dealt with a person, right? Yeah, it dealt being. with somebody's job and, and, wow. um, and it's tricky, you know, yeah. but uh, we got through it. General counsel sounds awesome. It sounds like you can work across several different domains and it's, you know, fantastic position. And also, you know, usually you aren't at the whim of a client that says, Oh my God, I need you on a plane tomorrow to come help do this, which which was the case for my previous other positions. I travel a oh. lot. Um, there'd be a hearing or something, I mean, it's just not flexible. Like <laughs> litigation, <laughs> judge, sorry, it's my son's, you know fifth birthday, I'd rather not have the hearing today. That doesn't really doesn't work. Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> so, and that's, you know, usually fine for people, but I wanted to be home for his yeah. fifth birthday. So, um, so I, I like, you know, being a part of a company that understands you and understands, mm. you know, what your needs are and what your family is. Um, for me, that's a good fit. That's amazing. Yeah. And so then, so you also opened up a yoga studio? So it wasn't a studio. It was actually a nonprofit, nonprofit organization. So Yoga G, kind of the, the gift of, of yoga. And, and our teachers, so it was more of a training, but our teachers only taught in domestic violence shelters. So, you know, understanding I had a passion for domestic violence, as I said, you know, earlier, that's why I went to law school. Um, I wanted to really uh, be in that field and, and try to be, a support. Um, so I was familiar with the shelter settings and familiar with when women and kids come to a domestic violence shelter. Um, as you can imagine, like that's not a place you want to be. Um, and I had taken a yoga teacher training course. I had, you know, really dug into yoga for some from healing on my side and thought it helped me, you know, a ton and helped me really reconnect with my you know, physical body and my, and and kind of a relationship with my body that wasn't necessarily positive mm -hmm. um, prior to. And I thought, um, when you're a domestic violence victim and that violence has been done to your your body as opposed to somebody breaks into your car, yes, it's violating. If somebody right. breaks into your home, yes, it's violating. But when somebody breaks something on your, mm. you can't get away. So how do you rebuild that relationship? How do you understand? Yeah, I can really live in this skin that I have in a way that's that's feels good and that isn't scary. Wow. <laughs> um, so I thought no better place to share the gift of yoga than in in a domestic violence shelter. And so really founded it with the thought of serving women. I didn't think about the kids at all, you know, frankly. Um, yeah. I just thought 
I'm a grown woman. This helped me. Um, right. So went into it in that setting and, and trained teachers with trauma informed yoga. So it's a special, it's a specialty, specialty training, understanding um, the trauma that many people uh, that many people endure. So that specialized training, and we went in to to teach and and found more often than not that there would be a toddler on the mat as well, or there would be you know, a child in the room, because think about it, like we're, this, this kids have been ripped out of their homes as well. And so it's like, where are they going to go when you're teaching mom yoga? So we ended up really mm. teaching a lot of, of mom and kids classes and having, oh, and it was beautiful just to see wow. that connection between, between these children and their moms and have that special, um, that special activity to do together somebody else to guide you through some relaxation, some play, you know, kind of depended on what the, court, the class theme would be. Um, but but we, I think we made a difference. I mean, I think it was a, um, something I'm proud of. Ultimately, we, we wound it down where we were. The shelters were getting, uh, the philosophy of the shelters was changing in my mind for really positive to get, to have shelter stays be shorter. And for me, yoga served served me well at a time when I really benefited from lots and lots and lots of yoga. Um, but yeah, that was the yoga. That's piece. beautiful. I had no idea you yeah. did that. Yeah. So well, now we're at the point of the interview where there's a few questions that I'd like to ask. Yeah. Um, this is a hard hitting question that I love asking. Okay. Let's see. Do you think that life is meaningful? Absolutely. I mean. Life is meaningful. I think I think everybody has it within their power to provide and to search and to figure out what what is meaningful on an individual level. So what's meaningful to me right now? Like, yeah, during COVID, for example, could I sit in my house and and get worried and be upset and all of those things? Sure, that's an option. Um, but is it an option too to, you know, really, figure out how to get through this and live through this and still, and still, um, you know, have meaningful experiences, you know, have meaningful time with your family. Like we played more games and family, you know, board games and, um, during that time. And that was meaningful. So I, I mean, hard hitting question, but it's like, Kind of a no-brainer. Maybe I'm being too surfacey in answering it, no. but um, but yeah, I don't know how you could answer it otherwise. Yeah, I but mean, uh, yeah, knowing the number of of suicides and everything facing both our county here and and just the issue across the board, I shouldn't be too surfacey about it because I know that from obviously for many people, they aren't finding meaning or that purpose. Um, in life, and that's, you know, just dreadfully sad. I mean, what I would, I mean, getting help, you know, seeking out resources, and that's everybody else's job around to look for those signs too, and and to be supportive of our friends and our family and our coworkers. So it's it's our job. If you're in a good place, to to be on the lookout for those who aren't, um, because I know when you're in that spot or when you're in a place where life is not meaningful, where you are not finding that, a lot of times you can't pull yourself out without, without some help. So I think um, there's an organization here, Speak Up, Reach Out, doing incredible work in suicide awareness and in providing trainings, free trainings, every level of training that you can think of for, um, 
for folks facing real mental mental and behavioral health challenges. So um, so I started with a real surfacey answer for me because it's obvious for me, but I, that's not true for everyone. Wow. Okay. So another question. Mm-hmm. If you had an opportunity to talk to younger Sarah, what would you say to her? I'd say don't get too hung up on on the path. I mean, I questioned my path, like career-wise, taking a lot of turns. If you looked at my resume, you'd be like, well, she's nuts. You know, there's been a lot of a lot of changes here. Um, and I'd say that's okay. I mean, I really struggled with kind of leaving the traditional law practice. I'm like, oh man, my, you know. I was fortunate that my parents were able to put me through school and to put me through college and put me through law school. And I wasn't carrying school, you know, I wasn't carrying debt from that. Um, so I was able to walk away from a pretty large paycheck. And um, so I struggled a little bit, you know, with it and beat myself up about it a little bit. Uh, just and it's so minor compared to what other people go through. But I would say, you know, your path is your path. And you're going to go in a myriad of different ways if you let it. And that's okay because there's just been such good, like, useful experiences. And, um, I mean, there's not one job I would say, I wish I hadn't done that one. Like, there really isn't one because they've all brought something to the table. Hmm. Even the giant law firm in Chicago that works you, you know, around the clock and the and some of the work was really tedious and like seriously in the basement of you know an insurance company going through boxes and boxes of files with Whoa. you know 25 other first year law students like that some might say was not meaningful right, <laughs> it was right. not rewarding from a career level but it was mm. like okay you know is that what I want to be doing? Is mm. that, you know, is that for me? So, but I wouldn't have known that had I not experienced it. Had mm. I not been in a large law firm, I'd be like, oh, I never reached kind of the pinnacle of what mm. you think about when you're in law school. You always want the interview from those big firms. Um, and I got the interview and I got the job and I, and I was like, oh, wow, not for me. Um, so, uh, but I wouldn't say I wish I could have scratched that one out because I learned right. a lot and I learned how to stay up really late, so how to work really hard. <laughs> don't be fearful of the path. Just. Yeah, just, I mean, make good choices. Be thoughtful. I think don't be, you know, think things through, think your decisions through. But if you feel like, yeah, I've thought this through, I'm doing it for the right reasons. I'm not running from something. I'm not, um, you know, if they're good quality decisions, even if it might be like, oh, I probably should have stayed at, you know, some might say, traditionalists might say, I should have stayed at that job longer. I mean, my my dad had one job, you know, maybe two jobs his whole life. I think generationally, my, you know, my level of of professionals, I'm 45. Like our age group probably is the age group that said, you don't have to stay at a job, you know, for 35, 40 years. You can hop around a little bit. I think that has gone a little to the extreme now with, with um, certain just- generations. Um, maybe that's been a little too, uh, you know, Overly, stereotypical, right. but um, I think there's, you know, there's, a there's something beautiful about the commitment that you know, our parents and grandparents' generation had to a company and to that um, that level of commitment, dedication. Like there, there's something really honorable and special and meaningful, and that work um, was good. Uh, there's a balance. Totally. Yeah. So recognizing, like being grateful to the, for all the opportunities that a business mm-hmm. or a company can give you, 
recognizing that, but also if you really are not happy. Yeah. Change. Change. Yeah. Change. I mean, you shouldn't be stuck someplace. And there's uh, somebody that I work with right now who's going through the realization she doesn't want to be an accountant. Um, and she's young, you know, and it's like, well, good job. Way to, way to realize that now. You went to school to be an accountant that, you know, you're really good at it. She's excellent at it, but it's not fulfilling. Mm. And um, so she gave her notice, you know, to say, I'm going to do something different and good for her and don't know what that's going to be. Um, but it, she's she's checked off the list that it's not accounting. Well, well, um, so good for knows. her. Now and I, you know, of course, I'm like super bummed from a you know organizational standpoint because she's really smart and good and and love working with her. She'll do well when wherever she goes. So selfishly, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, right. We got to train somebody else. Um, but super happy for her. Wow, lovely. Yeah. How about a purchase of a hundred dollars or less that you've made in the last six months that has most positively impacted your life? Hundred dollars or less, past how long? Six, Six months. months. A board game, you know Ooh. that that we um, played with the kids over COVID. Which game? I think Rit- the one that they oh. love the most. So they really like life. Oh, nice. Yeah, I've, I've played that a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> so they like that one. Um, which other ones were we playing? Oh, what did we get them? So they started. I love Rummy Cube. What's that? So it's like each person has a tray and you pick up, you know, like 14 tiles and you do runs. So it's numbers. So you can either have a color run or a number run. So it's strategy and it's, you know, building off of each other's. It's a game I played at our cabin growing up. And it was one I always wanted the kids to play, but I think I introduced it too young and they didn't get it. Mm. And during COVID, like they both got it. Whoa. (laughs) It's not that hard of a game, but, you know, you got to be like in the right mindset. Yeah. I was just so excited. I'm like, because I, I had somebody to play with. Nice. <laughs> so definitely that was under, under I think it was like maybe $14. <laughs> um, that's great. But that's been good because that gave us just hours of family time. Yeah, that's important. So I put up with life Huge. and they put up with Remy Cube. Yeah. We had fun. Nice. Yeah. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for coming onto this podcast and sharing your wisdom with us. Well, thanks for having me. It's fun. For all those listeners who are still with us, give yourself a little back rub with your right arm on your left shoulder and thank yourself. Thank you. I thank you. That's from me. That feeling you're getting is from me saying thank you for listening all the way through. And I just ask that if you enjoy the content to please subscribe to the channel. It helps share our podcast with a wider audience by putting us on different charts and stuff. So without further ado, ta-da and see you next time.